Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. The lesson this morning is titled Jesus, Our Great Example. It comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For even hereto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And now our speaker, Mike Hickson. In our study today, I want us to think about the theme, Jesus, our great example. When we talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, typically we refer to him as the greatest teacher and preacher known to mankind. But one of the things that Jesus did while upon this earth was set before the human family the greatest example. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. Many years ago, there was a very famous television commercial that focused on Michael Jordan, probably the greatest basketball player to have ever lived. And the caption simply said, be like Mike. When it comes to our spiritual lives, we want to be like Jesus Christ. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 1, he said, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Now with that in mind, listen to what Peter says in verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. And so the idea is that we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In looking at our lesson text, there are two basic things that I want you to consider with me in our study today. First of all, we think about the sufferings of Christ. And we're talking about the agony that he experienced on our behalf. The Bible speaks of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the book of Luke in chapter 23, and in that context, Luke said, and being in agony. 
Jesus was in agony as he looked to the cross that stood before him. We find him bowing before Almighty God, praying in the shadow of the cross. Well, in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter talks about the suffering that Jesus experienced on our behalf. Again, Peter said that Christ also suffered for us. How did Jesus handle the suffering of the cross? And how does that relate to us? Well, I think in several ways. Number one, Jesus was sinless in the face of suffering. Listen to what Peter said. In verse 22, he writes, Who committed no sin, nor was guile or deceit found in his mouth. Jesus Christ remained perfectly sinless in the face of human suffering. Now you might ask the question, how does that relate to me? Is it not the case that sometimes when we face hardship or adversity in life, that we hold God responsible? There are a lot of people in our world today, because of some of the difficulties that have been imposed upon them, they cry out, why? And then they look for someone to lay their problems on. In other words, they're looking for a scapegoat. Let me give you an example of somebody who did not do this. If you go back to the book of Job in chapter 1, the Bible talks about Job as a man who was upright, one who feared God, who turned away from evil. To Job and his wife were born seven sons and three daughters. Now you know the account, Satan appeared before the throne of God, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. Well, Satan literally put Job through the mill. Job lost those ten children to death. He lost many of his servants. His herds and flocks, they too were destroyed. And so in the latter part of chapter 1, Job said, Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I depart. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then we have this statement about what he was experiencing and how he handled it. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In other words, Job did not cast the blame on Almighty God. Job didn't say, God, you're the one that is that has inflicted me with all of these adversities. Sometimes we as mere mortals, when we, face, when we face hardships in life, we hold God responsible. In chapter 2 we read about Job again being afflicted by Satan. This time his own body was racked by painful boils from the from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. 
And the Bible says that his own wife said, curse God and die. But here's what is said about Job. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job didn't look to place the blame on God. Sometimes when you and I face hardships in life, we're looking for a scapegoat. And there are people in our world, there are people in the church that have lost their faith in Almighty God because of adversity. And they somehow have come to the conclusion that God was the one responsible for all of the problems that they, that they experienced in life. Well, that's not the case. So first of all, Jesus was sinless in the face of suffering. But then there is also a second thing that we need to think about. And that is, Jesus offered supplications in the face of suffering. That is, he prayed to Almighty God. In Hebrews chapter 5 at verse 7, the Bible speaks of Christ, who in the days of his flesh offered up supplications and prayers with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. And the Bible says he was heard in that he feared. If we go back to Luke chapter 24 at verse 44, Luke said, and Jesus, being in agony, prayed more earnestly. When we think about Jesus as our great example, what did he do in times of adversity? How did he handle trials? How did he handle the difficulties of the cross? The Bible says one of the things he did, he prayed to Almighty God. Go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And three times you see Jesus bowing before the Father, praying earnestly, not my will, but your will be done. When you face trials and tribulations in life, what do you do? Do you turn to God? The Hebrew writer invokes us to pray to the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, we are encouraged to draw boldly under the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Jesus is our great example. What did he do in the face of suffering? He prayed to the Lord. Jesus understood that he was about to, to drink a bitter cup. He was about to have heaped upon his head the sins of the human family. He would ultimately be separated from God the Father. And so we find him bowing in prayer to the Lord. But then also, we think about Jesus spoke words of forgiveness in the face of suffering. Look again at verse 22. The Bible says he committed no sin, nor was guile or deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, or did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Have you ever thought about 
Here is the creator. Jesus was the agent by which the world was framed. Back in Genesis chapter 1, we read of God creating the heavens and the earth. In verse 26, the Bible says, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Jesus was present at creation. Not only was he present at creation, but he is the one who created the world and mankind. In John chapter 1 at verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Jesus made everything. And so here is the Creator suffering at the hands of creation. Sometimes we talk about the indignities of life. And there are a lot of people in our world that because of their position and because of maybe what someone has done to them, they can't understand how they could have to suffer such indignity, such a lowly state. Well, here was the Creator, the second member of the Godhead. And in the face of human suffering, He spoke words of forgiveness. While on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What about us? Are we willing to demonstrate words of forgiveness to those who have wronged us. We talk about Jesus being the great example. Paul said we are to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Here was Jesus suffering the ill treatment of a trial that was nothing more than a farce. Jesus had been betrayed by one of his own apostles or one of his close disciples, one of the twelve, sold out for 30 pieces of silver. We read about the soldiers who taunted him, who mocked him, who platted a crown of thorns and placed it upon his head. They spat upon him. They said, if you're the Christ, come down from the cross. We'll believe you now taunting the Son of God. And yet, how did Jesus respond? Well, he spoke words of forgiveness. While Jesus was upon this earth, he talked about, in the Sermon on the Mount, how you, you have heard it's been said by them of old time, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, that those of us who are members of His kingdom, those of us who wear His name, we are to pray for those who persecute us. We are to bless those who inflict hurt upon us. We're not to have the attitude, the characteristics of the world. And so you and I, we have before us as a great example, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the first thing we think about has to do with his sufferings. But then secondly, the sacrifice of Christ, his atonement. 
the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, reflected in the words of Peter. As we look to Jesus on the cross and as we think about him as our great example, let me suggest that first of all, he was selfless in his death. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, said, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Do you think Jesus could have gone to the cross had he not been willing to ultimately place place to the side what he may have wanted in favor of God's will. In other words, it wasn't about Jesus, but rather it was about helping the human family. Jesus gave up the glories of heaven. He left a throne in heaven to come to sin cursed earth, to live among mankind, to endure the trial and the tribulation associated with the cross, a very selfless individual. And those of us today who belong to the body of Christ, we understand that in order to be pleasing to the Lord, we have to empty ourselves, we have to divest ourselves of our wants, our wishes, our will in favor of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus made that a prerequisite to discipleship. He said, if any man will come after me, let him, what? Let him deny himself. If you're going to come to Christ, you have to come to Christ on his terms. We have to be willing to lay aside what we may want in favor of what the Lord wants. Sometimes individuals will let family members and friends stand in their way of serving God. Maybe they'll allow the things of the world to obstruct them becoming New Testament Christians. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus talked about those who would come to Him and He said, if we come to Him and do not hate or love less father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. He said, yes, even our own life, we cannot be His disciple. Then He goes on to talk about how we have to count the cost. Before you can become a child of God, you've got to understand what's involved in living as a disciple of Jesus. And in doing that, you have to understand you're You're going to be called upon to be a selfless individual. Well, Jesus was selfless in his death. But then also, secondly, he was submissive in his death. Look at verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body, that we being dead unto sin might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. As you and I 
As we think about Jesus as the Son of God and the fact that here was God in the flesh not only emptying himself, not only divesting himself of his own wants and wishes and desires, but also we think about his submissive, submissive nature before the Father. Jesus came to do God's will. Jesus came to save us. Now we talk about obedience to God. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. Being obedient unto death, yea, even the death of the cross. Jesus bore our sins in his own body. Why was he submissive to the Father? Because that was God's will. God's desire was that his only begotten Son give himself as a ransom for our sins. While upon this earth, Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father in heaven. How then does that correspond to our life today? Jesus as our perfect example, as our great example, calls upon us to be submissive. If you and I are going to live for God, we have to be submissive to Him. That is, we have to bow in submission to what He says. We're not going to quibble about His commands. We're not going to argue over what Jesus says we must do in order to follow him. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about the wise and foolish builders. He said the wise man built his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon the rock. What's the application? Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, how submissive are you to the will of God? We sing the song, all to Jesus I surrender, I surrender all. Have we truly surrendered everything to Christ? Have we truly surrendered to His will? Or is it a little bit of our will and some of God's will? Is it 50-50? Is it 60-40? Is it 70-30? Or is it 100%? We have to make the Lord preeminent in our life. And ultimately, we have to be submissive to Him. And then finally, not only was Jesus submissive in His death, but He was steadfast in His death. Think about how many people begin the Christian race and then because of trial, tribulation, persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world, they abandon what they had begun. That is, they walk away from the Christian life and go back into the world. They become apostate. They leave the Lord. When you look at the life of Jesus Jesus never once abandoned the course that was before him. 
He was resolute and steadfast in going to the cross. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see him praying, not my will, but your will be done. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 12 said, Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners, lest you become weary or discouraged in your souls. Here's a question. Do you ever become discouraged in life? You ever become despondent? You ever feel like throwing in the towel, giving up? What the Hebrew writer is saying, in light of this great cloud of witnesses, these great men and women of faith and obedience, as recorded in chapter 11, what you need to do now is cast your eyes on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and realize that Jesus Christ was faithful and steadfast to the very end. And what He wants us to do is maintain that same course. The Lord understood that trials and discouragement are a part of life. He understood that it's very easy for us to just give up, throw in the towel. Jesus didn't do that. And as our great example, we must not do that. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness. The Lord had our best interest at heart. He wanted what was best for us. He has left us a supreme example. The question is, are we following in His steps? Because that's what Peter said we are to do. We are to follow in His steps. Are you doing that today? Is your life today about serving the Lord? How faithful are you to the Lord? If you've never obeyed the gospel, then I would encourage you first and foremost, that's what you need to do and you need to do it today. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says that you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. You're called upon to repent of sin, Acts 2, verse 38. Confess His name before others, Acts 8, verse 37. You are called upon to be immersed in water, so that your sins might be washed away, Acts 22.16, to be faithful until death, Revelation 2 at verse 10. If you're here today and maybe you're not faithful, maybe you're not living as you should, I said that Jesus was steadfast in his death. In James chapter 1, James said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation." For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. It may be that you have fallen out of service. Maybe you're not what you should be today. Why not come home? Why not let us pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon and restore you to fellowship once again. Hi, I'm Mike Hickson. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor the Soul radio broadcast. 
Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ are streamed live over the Internet each week. Please visit our website for additional details. That website is www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station at 8.30 a.m. for the Anchor of the Soul. This is a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. The Olive Branch Church of Christ will conduct a spring gospel meeting on Sunday, April the 19th through Wednesday, April the 22nd. The speaker will be Jeff Wilder, preacher at the Church of Christ in Fayetteville, Georgia. Details are also available on the website. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. This has been a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media.